Art of the Ronin, Volume 1 of the Ronin Trilogy. Written and produced by Travis Heerman. Voice talent by Daniel McCarville and Zeus Legion. For more information, please visit TravisHeerman.com. This novel contains violence and mature themes. Listener discretion is advised. Chapter 7. There is something to be learned from a rainstorm. When meeting with a sudden shower, you try not to get wet and run along the road. But doing such things as passing under the eaves of houses, you still get wet. When you are resolved from the beginning, you will not be perplexed, though you still get the same soaking. This understanding extends to everything. Hagakure. Kanishi and Kazuko walked in silence for hours. To Kanishi's tortured shoulders, it seemed that the stretcher's weight had increased tenfold since they began. They met no one on the road throughout the day, which was not unusual during the spring planting season with all of the peasants working in their fields and gardens. The local lords were at peace, so there were no patrols on the road. Kazuko seemed certain of their route, so Kanishi followed her direction through several crossroads. They were heading west, and the mountain tops were not so high in that direction. Kanishi wished more and more that she would speak. He enjoyed her voice. But where was Akau? It was unlike him to be gone so long. He often caught himself looking back over his shoulder, hoping he would see his friend loping toward them, with his red tail high and eyes sparkling with pleasure, perhaps with a rabbit in his mouth. When she finally spoke, her voice was hesitant. Do you have anything to eat? Kanishi smiled inwardly at the irony of her words, but answered with an even voice, I don't have any food. How far is the next village? I don't think far. Someone there will certainly offer food to the daughter of a lord, and good food, too, not peasant's millet. Perhaps there is a constable there who can help us. Kanishi stiffened and glanced to see if she had noticed his reaction, but her gaze remained demurely downcast. Hearing her voice again brightened his mood. The weight on his shoulders seemed to diminish. She glanced at him, and he sensed that she was mulling some questions. How do you manage living with nothing? There are many people with less. I have my father's sword. I have a good bow. I have a bedroll to sleep on. My teacher is a master of the blade. I fear no man in a fight. He must be a famous sword master. He is not famous. He prefers to remain unknown. He does not like people. A man like you must have had many adventures, she said. You might say. How old are you? How long since your right of manhood? My what? Right of manhood. 
Have you never undergone any ceremony to take your adult name? Kanishi is strange. Did you choose it yourself? Who named you? Kanishi gave her a puzzled look. My teacher thought people were full of silly customs. My name is my name. I took this name two years ago. Before that, I had no name at all. And I'm no child. I'm seventeen. How old are you? I am seventeen, too. She smiled at him. He liked that. For a while, the only sounds between them were the dragging of the wooden poles and the soft swish of her clothing as she walked. Then she said, I am sorry I cannot help you carry poor Hatsumi, Kanishi. My woman's frailty is a burden. You don't look frail carrying that Naginata. She looked at him with a faint smile, and he returned it with one of his own. I'm sure the cherry blossoms were beautiful, he said. But I don't think they could compare to you. As soon as the words left his lips, he clamped his mouth shut, surprised that he had said such a thing. Panic surged through. How would she react? Would she spurn him, call him a fool? A delicate pink spread through her flawless cheeks like the emergence of dawn. Surely you jest. A lump formed in his throat, preventing him from speaking. He shook his head in denial. Her blush deepened. That is kind of you, but it's not true. Her voice brightened with excitement. Lord Tsunetomo's garden was breathtaking. A large family of ducks lives there in the pond. The drake's feathers were so beautiful. Did you know that mandarin ducks symbolize good marriage? He forced down the lump in his throat, and his words tumbled out in a rush. Ducks are wise, he said. They know that their waddle on land makes us think they're stupid. But it's not so. He waggled his backside, mimicking a duck's gait. She giggled into her hand. How do you know what ducks think? He clamped his lips tight. You know about many things, but little about matters of custom and manners. He thought about this for a moment, and his ears heated. I never learned about those things. I learned how to survive and how to fight. After my teacher sent me away, the couple who took care of me tried to teach me things but I was not a very good student. They knew little of proper etiquette. Well, that explains many things. I suppose you cannot be blamed for your upbringing. You must have done something bad in a previous life to warrant such an unfortunate birth. He stiffened. Why do you say that? How can a man be punished for something he hasn't done? That is the law of karma, she said. If you live your life badly, you are reincarnated as a lower person, doomed to suffer, perhaps even to be born as an animal. Everyone knows that. Then she blushed. Oh, I'm sorry. You haven't been taught the ways of the gods and Buddhas. My teacher taught me about the old gods, the spirits of the water and the earth. They were the gods of his people. Perhaps I could teach you. I have been tutored in many things. He spoke slowly. Perhaps. She sighed. 
but I know little about the world outside my father's house and the gossip of the court. Then her voice brightened. That is why traveling to Lord Tsunetomo's estate was so wonderful. I have never seen the countryside like this before. I have never traveled so far from home. My father's estate is beautiful, but being cooped up there my whole life is so dreary sometimes. Sometimes I just want to fly like a bird and see the world from above. My teacher once told me that seeing the world from high above is a wonderful thing, but it can also be a curse. When you are high, you can see far and wide. The higher you are, the further you can see. Once you get high enough, you cannot see the evils happening on the ground far below. It's a way of staying far above the suffering and plight of the poor, a way of remaining happily ignorant while believing that you can see everything. To see the truths of the world, he said, you should also look through the eyes of a tortoise. Her voice sounded as if she were trying to decide whether to be offended. I don't understand. Kanishi smiled with relief. I don't understand it either. He was a strange bird. He said a lot of things I didn't understand. She smiled in return. How did he know what it was like to look at the earth from high above? Could he fly? Kanishi shrugged. He said that he could, but I never saw him do it. Her eyes widened. Was he a sorcerer? Or a monk? I have heard stories that some monks can make things fly through the power of their faith. He was neither of those things. How strange. Kanishi listened to her voice for any hint of disbelief, but there was none. He was strange, that's for certain. Sometimes the coarse cloth chafed her, and the crooked poles of the stretcher poked her ribs, Moving with a jerky, rhythmic motion, the hot sun on her face, her cracked, dry lips, then all other sensations were drowned in a maelstrom of agony swirling around her groin. Fear and pain made her limbs into dead, useless sticks. Terrible images of blood and flesh and terror flashed and tore through her mind. Some of them were dreams. Others, she was not sure. The pain throbbed and pulsed like a second heart, subsided to a black, tearing ache, then resurged. Strangely, the pain did not feel like a part of her, separate somehow, something that moved and acted on its own, like a child in the womb. Her dreams flowed in and out of the real world, little clawed demons skittering into her and tearing out her womb piece by piece, giving birth to a full-grown red-skinned demon that fell upon her like a beast, devouring her instead of suckling her, drowning in a lake of blood, seeing Kazuko on the shore waving to her, with the ronin standing beside her, horns just visible growing on his forehead. 
surrounded by dozens of snarling, laughing bandits, thrusting their spears into her body, their spears turning to flesh as they withdrew, smeared with her blood, calling out to Kazuko for help, but Kazuko changed into a fox and running away. Seeing the oni coming for her, reaching with its huge claws, then being unable to see because her eyes would not work, would not stay open, even though she tried to hold her eyelids open with her fingers. They felt pasted shut. She could not see. She could not run away because her legs would not work. She could not remember her name. She wondered if she had died, and she was in one of the many hells now. The oni ravaged her, crushed her down, and she screamed in agony and terror. And she saw Kazuko, sitting on the grass, talking to a brilliantly plumaged mandarin drake, oblivious to her screams. The stretcher's movement jostled her, and she heard a moan of pain. What was her name? Something was pumping through her body, pulsing like blood. Sometimes, in the dead of the night, she could hear her own heartbeat, and the sensation she felt now compared to that one. But something was different. She could smell her own blood, and it smelled like hot copper. The black pain in her groin was dissipating, pulsing away with each spurt of her thundering heart. But it was still in her body, dispersing, not dissipating, like rats in a darkened room scurrying for hiding places when the door is opened. She knew that she would not die. She was not in hell. She would live. The wound would heal, but the agony would never die. Thank you for listening to Heart of the Ronin, Volume 1 of the Ronin Trilogy by Travis Heerman. Volume 2, Sword of the Ronin, and Volume 3, Spirit of the Ronin, are available now on your favorite audiobook platform. Please visit TravisHearman.com, look me up on social media, or send me an email. I would love to hear what you think about the story.